Welcome to a special 58th New York Film Festival edition of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Today, NYFF director Eugene Hernandez is joined by filmmaker Chloe Zhao to discuss Nomadland, the director's richly textured follow-up to her acclaimed The Writer. The NYFF centerpiece selection recounts a year in the life of Fern, played by Frances McDormand, a stoic, stubbornly independent widow who, having spent her adult life in a now-defunct company town, repurposes an old man and sets off in search of seasonal work. Mixing professionals and non-actors, Nomadland is a road movie for our precarious times. Nomadland at NYFF is sponsored by Campari. To learn more about NYC Drive-In and nationwide virtual tickets for NYFF, visit filmlink.org. Let's go to the conversation now. Love cinema? So do we. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. The latest conversations with the world's greatest filmmakers will be delivered to your library as soon as they become available. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the New York Film Festival. I'm Eugene Hernandez, director of the New York Film Festival, and I'm here um, happy to welcome back to the New York Film Festival, Chloe Zhao. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, first of all, congratulations on this exceptional new film, this beautiful new film. Congratulations on winning the Golden Lion at the recent <laughs> Venice Film Festival. Thank you. Yeah, very, very grateful. Yeah. We are um, we are truly uh, moved and thrilled and honored that you shared this film with us at the New York Film Festival. We're glad to have you back, and we're so uh, happy to have the film in our centerpiece slot this year. So, just first of all, thank you for sharing this movie with us earlier this summer, so we could consider it, and thank you for sharing it with us uh, at this year's festival. We're very sad now to be able to go. Had so much fun last year, and you know this, but. You know, thank you for making it happen. Anyways, I'm excited about the drive-ins. Well, let me let me start with kind of an easy question, just to help our audience. So, uh, our audience who are tuning in to this to this Q and A today, either on our on our virtual platform, on our YouTube channel, or uh, some folks are listening to this conversation as they as they drive away. They've just watched your film, and all the Q and As are available on a podcast, so folks can listen on their way home as well. Um, I think it would be great to just talk about um, maybe first and foremost uh, what what resonated most for you um, with this with this story and with this character. Um, what what was your what was what what was the first connection you felt to this material? I think it's um, you know I, I think I spent a lot of time in the past on my own on the road and uh, in driving through the American West. And when I read Jessica's book, I, I realized the, the world of nomadic living is so expensive and colorful. And then even talking to a friend about her desire to hit the road, you know, and having had a lot of solitude on the road myself, for me, what resonated most with Fern is her ability to, to persevere and, and to, to find a sense of self uh, in solitude, in nature. Um, and whilst having a community to support her, but ultimately, you know, she's able to find peace uh, uh, in solitude. I think that is a very strong message. Uh, I didn't expect the pandemic to, <laughs> to be part of the conversation when I first made the film, but I thought that is a strong message regardless. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I want to talk more about that in a second, but maybe just to better understand your own um, nomadic, for lack of a better word, lifestyle that you refer to. You talk about being on the road or resonating uh, with this idea of travel and movement. Um, is that something that um, you're referring to sort of in your in your more adult life or younger life or at what part of your life do you feel like you, you, you've, you've seen yourself or observed yourself kind of being someone who, who's on the move? I think most of my life. Because uh, right. I left home when I was very young on my own. And uh, I just, I'm the only child as well. It's been a bit of a loner most of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think, but, but having moved to America, I have spent a lot of time uh, in the heartland and camping in my Subaru Outback. Spent a lot of time in campsites and, and in um, BLM land, national parks. I just... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it shaped, those experiences shaped me as a filmmaker today. I wouldn't be making the kind of films I did if I didn't travel those roads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about this character, Fern. I have not read the book, um, but I would love to know um, more about this character. And, and you talked about sort of initially what resonated with you, but maybe help us understand or help me understand a little bit more about um, the character that's drawn in the book and then the character that you adapted uh, for the film. Um, similarities, differences, uh, help, help me understand sort of the connection between the two, the two versions of Fern, the one from the book and the one we see in your movie. Well, Fern is a, uh, a complete uh, fictional character. It's not in the book at all. She doesn't exist. In the book, uh, there's Bob Wells, Swanky, Linda May, and, and Jessica's wonderful book, uh, again, so much research and love been put into this book. And she, her main through line is through Linda May's uh, hope to find land and build her earthship, which we, we pay tribute to in the film as well. So having seen these very colorful characters and also uh, she dedicated a whole chapter on empire, which became such an important uh, backdrop for the movie, but Fern doesn't exist. For me, it has always been a challenge, how do I create a character and a journey that can seamlessly incorporate all these amazing moments that Jessica was able to capture in her book. And so the creation of the character of Fern, my collaboration with Fran, uh, which I could, as you can imagine the name come from her and many, many of the things in the in Fern's character is, is, is Fran in real life. Um, so part of it is how do we capture friends slash firm and at the same time allow her to introduce us to the rest of the colorful characters in the book. So uh, I would love to hear more about, uh, that's really fascinating to me and I would love to hear more about that process and about um, creating a char- creating this character in a world um, that, um, that, is, that exists in the book, um, but creating a character that, that, that can live in that world with, with Francis McDormand um, can you talk about some of the early conversations, the early uh, decisions you made in, in trying to add shape and life to this character, Fern? What's interesting is, uh, for me, is when you go out there, let's say if you go to the Robert Trump rendezvous, right? You will meet people from our walk of life. There isn't one type of personality or uh, archetype that would end up on the road. There is just such a variety um, of different type of people. So for me, one, there was no limit, right? There was no, there's not like one kind of character I feel I need to portray. And then meeting Fran, just getting to know her, 
uh, I think she said, I can't call her very well, but uh, she said when she hit 60, she wants to, or 64, she wants to um, change her name to Fern, uh, smoke like his stripes, drink wild turkey, and hit a road in RV in a van. That's what her, she taught her husband. <laughs> So that, that that's one of the first things that she told me, you know, so I so then it's to explore what is there within friend as well. I mean, within so many of us that 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 desire to rediscover ourselves in the later stage of our lives, when when most of our lives has been defined by something else. I think that is a natural human urge to do. Um, so earlier on, we, we, we just try to focus, keep that focus as her journey. And then, and then the details is really about how you, she does things, like how, how she decorate her van, what she choose to bring with her says so much about who she is because the space is so limited. It's the art of editing, that really show, editing, down, downsizing of showing like who you are. So the plates, you know, the plates you see in the film, the autumn leaf is actually exactly what Fran got from her father. Um, when she was growing up. So we spent a lot of time, she spent a lot of time online looking for those plays. And, and I know that it doesn't really matter what kind of place we end up using, but there's something, the philosophy of making this film is how do we bring as much of real life into fiction? And I think it pays off in a way that you can't quite put your finger on. It, it just mm -hmm. feels authentic. Let's talk about that authenticity from actual spaces and places. Um, maybe if you could elaborate a bit on the journey of making the film, the places you visited and how the film, um, now we're past the writing process and we might come back to that in a minute, but in the process of, of both finding um, some of the people that will exist in the frame with this character Fern, but also the places where we see the film um, take place. The um, it. I would love to know more and I'd love for our audience to hear more about your process of discovery um, during the, either either the location and casting process um, mm -hmm. and certainly in the production process. For casting is a collage of efforts. Well, uh, I would say a third is from Jessica's book that's already existing. And then a third actually from Friends Live, casting David and um, um, the character that played Dolly, that's one of uh, Friends' best friends. Uh, and then and then just people, the other 30% people will meet on the road. Like Derek was just living in the desert and we saw him and, and said, hey, you wanna be in a movie? And, and then he ended up being the art department per assistant for the rest of the oh. month traveled with us all the way to the Amazon warehouse. He was the only one that could fix cars. So it was pretty awesome to have him. Uh, he's become a good friend. And so, yeah, so that was the collage of effort for casting. And location is also, you know, some of them come out of Jessica's book, like Corsair, Arizona, um, gave films such a strong identity and Empire, Nevada, places like that. And then there's also places that I have gotten to love, like South Dakota and Nebraska. Well, Nebraska, the bee harvest also from the book, but the plains and the badlands. And then Fran, for her love is the redwoods in the ocean. That's where she lives. And when I go visit her, we used to go hiking the redwoods, which is a place I don't know much about. So again, it's a collage of effort uh, from the book, Fran and me. And then, um, and our, our amazing uh, uh, production team, which leads to the, the producing part, it's, it's difficult to, to, you know, from very early on, we know to capture the American West is a big part of the, the goal. 
and to capture those locations on the right time of the year mm -hmm. to show passing of season of a year in, in someone's, we need to feel the passing of time in this film. So, um, and also those places we go are, could be quite extreme. You can only film a certain time with the desert and the, and the, and the, um, the plains. So it's about like four to five months kind of shooting, stopping, shooting, stopping, trying to capture the, go chase the hurricane, you know, and, and change the script because a snowstorm came over. There is a, a collaboration with nature that we, we all made an effort to, to do um, in terms of production. It seems like part of your process, um, I'll try to form this as a question, but it's also an observation. It seems like part of your process is really about engaging opportunity, openness, um, and change kind of at every stage, because it sounds like what you're saying is you might be showing up at a place, you might think you're gonna do something, but the world might tell you or inspire you to do something totally different, is that, is that it seems like you're 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 not going in with a rigid understanding of exactly what you're going to do on any given day, or how am I am I correct in that? I always felt that if I ended up getting exactly at the end of the day in the can exactly what I my vision is when I woke up in the morning, I'll be bored, <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be a great film because it would just be completely in my head, and I think the world if we listen, uh, are just going to provide you things you can never dream of. And it could be a nightmare. You know, it's a risk to take. It doesn't work for every single type of film. But in this case, it's a road movie, you know. Uh, in this case, the more we embrace that, I think the more we're going to give audiences something that's surprising, which is what happens when you hit the road. Are there, are there similarities to the process of... of conceiving and, and shooting this film uh, that there are to say, for example, if folks were at the festival recently and saw the writer, um, where, where are there similarities and where are there differences in sort of the approach and the process and the, and the, the, the road, sort of, so to speak, that you took? The similarities is definitely, um, it started with the world and a couple of interesting characters. And the narrative uh, the story, or some might say the lack of story, <laughs> depends <laughs> what kind of films you like. Uh, it, it's, it really is there to serve the character and the world. Um, and, and so I think that approach is exactly the same. The difference is, is I, you know, there's obviously, there's friends involvement to, to have her help uh, along the way. And, and also, um, so I have a slight, slightly bigger production. We have like 20, 25 people instead of five. <laughs> well, actually, it's a lot bigger. Uh, and to be, <laughs> and if you look at the Nomadland, it's much bigger in scale, even though it feels naturalistic, but the amount of places and different kind of worlds we enter, then the writer is actually very contained. So the producing team have done an incredible job to be able to harness this, this beast of this wild beast of, of spontaneity, how do you say Spon spontaneity? Spontaneity, yeah. And, and while keeping it cohesive, so mm -hmm. props to them, you know. Did you feel like, how did you feel like you understood this character of Fern differently going into production? And I wanna start talking with you about the editing process now. Uh, going into production before you shot a, a frame, your understanding of sort of who Fern, this character is, or, or who you wanted to represent. 
and sort of where you were at the end of production and then into the editing process. How did your understanding or your your connection to this character evolve uh, in that process? Because you also edited the film and we'll talk about that. Yeah, we. I think it remained quite consistent, except now we, we know how to talk about it better. And, and I think Fran said, because we hear what other people say, and she said, oh, the word docent is great. I, don't, I didn't even know that word in English, what it means until she told me. But from very early on, we had said she's a listener. You know, we, we don't listen enough uh, uh, these days. We, we say a lot about how we feel and what we believe and what we think the world is right. And we didn't want a character to do that. We want a character to just listen and take in what life throws at her and react instead of just act. And, and so I think that has not changed from the conception of the uh, character to the editing process. Were there aspects of this character um, that surprised you in the editing process? Things that you didn't, do, what do you see differently as a, as a creative person? What, what are you seeing differently in the editing process as you're, as you're honing now, you know, probably hundreds of hours of foot or hundreds, maybe a hundred hours of footage. I don't know how much, but over a hundred. Um, yeah. If you have over a hundred hours. There's a lot of driving shots. <laughs> a lot of driving. Uh, I think, I think that's the, the greatness of Francis McDormand, you know, because I, when I first went in, that actually happened in the production process, the, the surprise. I did realize, I didn't know that was there. Um, I got a sense that I really love Fran's body language and how she is in real life. I can't really pinpoint why that is, but throughout the, the shoot, she had kept me um, very balanced on the sentimentality. Uh, of of how I see the character, so bringing a lot of humor and her own, you know, um, we we always say Basta Keaton, you know, there is a there's a silent uh, era uh, humor that kind of um, um, body language that she has, and then she does things that I just didn't expect. Oh, can I have her walk through beautiful sunset, uh, you know, in a very kind of sentimental way, which is not a bad word to me, by the way. And then in nature, and the next second she's using a bucket in the in the in the van. Can we pull that off? And that balance also in the editing room and realizing actually the film doesn't have to stay tonally very specific in a genre that it could actually get a bit messy. Uh, I think the audiences today are more more than ever are are very forgiving of that and actually keep them a bit more engaged when they when they jump around tonally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was thinking a lot as I was watching the film um, about how much this film, uh, not just in Fern's character, but certainly strongly in her character, but in the folks that she encounters, so much of the film is about choice. It's about, it's about choosing a path. Mm -hmm. um, it's about being, I see it at least as being, it's about being proactive rather than necessarily reactive, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Um, and that really comes across in, in also just in the choices that you made and the scenes that you put together to kind of start to un, uh, uh, drop a portrait of this character um, because you're building so much around the, she has opportunities put in front of her and then she makes a, a conscious choice to go one direction or the other, right? It's like traveling on a, on a road and then you choose between the fork in the road, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think often two, two things, you know, often when you hit a fork, you kind of have to make a choice. <laughs> Otherwise, you gotta, you know, 
<laughs> the road kind of forces you to make choices. Also, I find when people hit the bottom, you know, when, when people lose everything that defines them, they tend to become bra braver or they tend to become well, the, the idea of nothing to lose, you know, and then you, you're sort of forced to to get to know yourself better and to make choices you, you think you never think you, you could. And I think today, uh, maybe a lot of people have felt that way, you know, and hopefully that's what we could um, arrive at, which is, yes, we might have lost everything, but this is also an opportunity to reinvent myself and to get to know myself better, to, to, to create a new life. Linda May, I would say, you know, it's okay to make a choice, it's okay to be different. And um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly um, um, humbling and inspiring to see people who, who are at that stage of their lives, which ageism is just such a rampant disease in our society. And to have that kind of strength uh, is very inspiring. One aspect of the film, switching gears a little bit that I've been anxious to talk with you about, um, so I watched the film in the summer. You were still finishing it, and then I watched it again um, just okay. just yesterday again to to see um, before we talk today. And I'm even more struck by your choice of music. I believe his last name is Anaudi, uh, the composer whose music I was familiar with, but um, it just it just paired so well with the landscapes and the environment. And maybe it, there's a, maybe it's the spareness of the piano, but also the the grand nature of the sound. And I wish I could see it in a in a fully in, enveloping, you know, cinema to really experience it. But maybe if you could talk about some of the, the choices around the music, because it was just beautifully paired. I recently saw an Ethan Hawke um, TED talk where he said, um, human creativity is nature manifest in oneself. And I, I, I love that, that saying, because to me, uh, the way we're trying to tell the story of Fern so much is that how the nature heals her and how she sort of become one with nature, right? And so when I was looking for music, I was really nervous about having, um, oh, I didn't have a lot of time either, you know, and then with the pandemic, everything, but I was just worried that if I don't have the right kind of music, it might change that delicate thing that we're trying to capture. And so I, I literally Googled beautiful classical music inspired by nature. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's as simple as that. and then it, I, I came across one of the first thing that popped up was his uh, um, elegy for the Arctic you gotta check it out it's a YouTube video and he played the piano on a floating platform in the Arctic Ocean as he's playing a whole ice uh, you know mountains of ice just falling off behind him creating that crazy kind of vibration that sound and his piano just merge beautifully so I was like who is this yeah I didn't know his, his work and then so I started listening to his seven days walking which is seven album he wrote inspired by each day him walking through the Alps and as I'm listening I see no difference between him walking in the through the Alps and Fern walking through the Badlands even though these are two completely different people a different size of the world so that just says that that understanding of nature will unite the experience in, uh, from different walk of life. I was hoping for that and, and hopefully that worked out. It worked really well. Um, 
I want to get back to something you just said, which gave me a bit of insight into the character and to the movie. You talked just a minute ago about wanting to, uh, or, or, or Fern having this connection to nature and becoming mm -hmm. one with nature. I, I'm As you said that, the image that came to my mind is I think the moment that's most emblema emblematic of that, at least to me in your film, is when she's literally at her most literal and figurative naked uh, floating on her back in the water. To me, that just sort of, embodies exactly what you just said. To me, that's the moment where she kind of comes together with nature in such a pure way. Yeah, it, that is a pretty, when we got to that watering hole, it was very obvious what we should do. To strip away everything that defines you, you know, she's not wearing the jacket of her husband's or her work clothes and that represents her class and none of that. And she's just how she is as the day she's born. Well, I where was that shot? That scene, by the way, South Dakota. South Dakota. Yeah. Did did, did you have that image in, in that moment already conceived, or is that something that came uh, sort of later in the process? It's an area that I used to take the kids from my first film to go swim. So it's it's not far from mm. the reservation, right, and right, right. I knew I was going to be there, and we're going to be passing through. At first, we're just let's just go and film something there. <laughs> and uh, and then we did, and we also uh, swimmed and and uh, had a good time. Chloe, this is a film that um, I'm. I know we're going to be talking more about at Lincoln Center, and I hope that we'll get to talk with you about um, again uh, because I think it's a very rich film that I think uh, as audiences get to experience it uh, for the first time, and then you know in subsequent viewings, I think there'll be a lot of of rich territory to mine. So um, we're out of time for this Q&A right now, but I hope that, um, I wish you absolutely the best with this movie. I think it's exceptional. And I'm so glad we could have you at the festival this year. Thank you. Good luck with your wonderful festival. I can't wait to hear all about it.